Mary Poppins, Chapter 2, The Day Out. Every third Thursday, said Mrs. Banks, two till five. Mary Poppins eyed her sternly. The best people, ma'am, she said, give every second Thursday and one till six. And those I shall take or, Mary Poppins paused, and Mrs. Banks knew what the pause meant. It meant that if she didn't get what she wanted, Mary Poppins would not stay. Very well, very well, said Mrs. Banks hurriedly, though she wished Mary Poppins did not know so very much more about the best people than she did herself. So Mary Poppins put on her white gloves and tucked her umbrella under her arm, not because it was raining, but because it had such a beautiful handle that she couldn't possibly leave it at home. How could you leave your umbrella behind if it had a parrot's head for a handle? Besides, Mary Poppins was very vain and liked to look her best. Indeed, she was quite sure that she never looked anything else. Jane waved to her from the nursery window. Where are you going? she called. Kindly close that window, replied Mary Poppins, and Jane's head hurriedly disappeared inside the nursery. Mary Poppins walked down the garden path and opened the gate. Once outside in the lane, she set off walking very quickly as if she were afraid the afternoon would run away from her if she didn't keep up with it. At the corner, she turned to the right and then to the left, nodded haughtily to the policeman, who said it was a nice day, and by that time she felt that her day out had begun. She stopped beside an empty motor car in order to put her hat straight with the help of the windscreen in which it was reflected. Then she smoothed down her frock and tucked her umbrella more securely under her arm so that the handle, or rather the parrot, could be seen by everybody. After these preparations, she went forward to meet the matchman. Now, the matchman had two professions. He not only sold matches like any ordinary matchman, but he drew pavement pictures as well. He did these things turn about according to the weather. If it was wet, he sold matches because the rain would have washed away his pictures if he had painted them. If it was fine, he was on his knees all day making pictures in colored chalks on the sidewalks and doing them so quickly that often you would find he had painted up one side of a street and down the other, almost before you had time to come around the corner. On this particular day, which was fine but cold, he was painting. He was in the act of adding a picture of two bananas, an apple, and a head of Queen Elizabeth to a long string of others when Mary Poppins walked up to him, tiptoeing so as to surprise him. Hey, called Mary Poppins. He went on putting brown stripes on a banana and brown curls on Queen Elizabeth's head. <clears throat> said Mary Poppins with a ladylike cough. He turned with a start and saw her. Mary, he cried, and you could tell by the way he cried it that Mary Poppins was a very important person in his life. Mary Poppins looked down at her feet and rubbed the toe of one shoe along the pavement two or three times. Then she smiled at the shoe in such a way that the shoe knew quite well that the smile wasn't meant for it. 
It's my day, Bert, she said. Don't you remember? Bert was the madman's name, Herbert Alfred, for Sundays. Of course I remember, Mary, he said, but... And he stopped and looked sadly into his cap. It lay on the ground beside his latch picture, and there was tuppence in it. He picked it up and jingled the pennies. That all you got, Bert, said Mary Poppins, and she said it so brightly you could hardly tell she was disappointed at all. That's the lot, he said. Business is bad today. You'd think everybody'd be glad to pay to see that, wouldn't you? And he nodded his head at Queen Elizabeth. Well, that's how it is, Mary, he sighed. Can't take you to tea today, I'm afraid. Mary Poppins thought of the raspberry jam cakes they always had on her day out, and she was just going to sigh when she saw the matchman's face. So very cleverly, she turned the sigh into a smile, a good one with both ends turned up, and said, That's all right, Bert. Don't you mind. I'd much rather not go to tea. A stodgy meal, I call it, really. And that when you think how very much she liked raspberry jam cakes, was rather nice of Mary Poppins. The matchman apparently thought so too, for he took her white-gloved hand in his and squeezed it hard. Then together they walked down the row of pictures. Now, there's one you've never seen before, said the matchman proudly, pointing to a painting of a mountain covered with snow and its slopes simply littered with grasshoppers sitting on gigantic roses. This time, Mary Poppins could indulge in a sigh without hurting his feelings. Oh, Bert, she said, that's a fair treat. And by the way she said it by the way she said it, she made him feel that by rights the picture should have been in the Royal Academy, which is a large room where people hang the pictures they have painted. Everybody comes to see them, and when they have looked at them for a very long time, everybody says to everybody else, The idea, my dear. The next picture, Mary Poppins and the Matchman came to was even better. It was the country, all trees and grass and a little bit of blue sea in the distance and something that looked like Margate in the background. My word, said Mary Poppins admiringly, stooping so that she could see it better. Why, Bert, whatever is the matter? For the matchman had caught hold of her other hand now and was looking very excited. Mary, he said, I got an idea, a real idea. Why don't we go there, right now, this very day, both together, into the picture, eh, Mary? And still holding her hands, he drew her right out of the street, away from the iron railings and the lamppost, into the very middle of the picture. There they were, right inside it. How green it was there, and how quiet, and what soft, crisp grass under their feet. They could hardly believe it was true, and yet here were green branches huskily rattling on their hats as they bent beneath them, and little colored flowers curling around their shoes. They stared at each other, and each noticed that the other had changed. To Mary Poppins, the matchman seemed to have bought himself an entirely new suit of clothes, for he was now wearing a bright green and red striped coat 
and while flannel and white flannel trousers, and best of all, a new straw hat. He looked unusually clean, as though he had been polished. Why, Bert, you look so fine, she cried in an admiring voice. Bert could not say anything for a moment, for his mouth had fallen open, and he was staring at her with round eyes. Then he gulped and said, Golly! That was all. But he said it in such a way, and stared so steadily and so delightedly at her, that she took a little mirror out of her bag and looked at herself in it. She, too, she discovered, had changed. Round her shoulders hung a cloak of lovely artificial silk with watery patterns all over it, and the tickling feeling at the back of her neck came, the mirror told her, from a long curly feather that swept down from the brim of her hat. Her best shoes had disappeared, and in their place were others much finer and with large diamond buckles shining upon them. She was still wearing the white gloves and carrying the umbrella. My goodness, said Mary Poppins, I am having a day out. So, still admiring themselves and each other, they moved on together through the little wood, till presently they came upon a little open space filled with sunlight, and there, on a green table, was afternoon tea. A pile of raspberry jam cakes as high as Mary Poppins' waist stood in the center, and beside it, tea was boiling in a big brass urn. Best of all, there were two plates of whelks and two pins to pick them out with. Strike me pink, said Mary Poppins. That was what she always said when she was pleased. Golly, said the matchman, and that was his particular phrase. Wouldn't you sit down, madame, inquired a voice, and they turned to find a tall man in a black coat coming out of the wood with a table napkin over his arm. Mary Poppins, thoroughly surprised, sat down with a plop upon one of the little green chairs that stood round the table. The matchman, staring, collapsed on to another. I'm the waiter, you know, he explained, the man in the black coat. Oh, but I didn't see you in the picture, said Mary Poppins. Uh, I was behind the tree, explained the waiter. Won't you sit down, said Mary Poppins politely. Waiters never sit down, madam, said the man, but he seemed pleased at being asked. You're whelks, mister he said, pushing a plate of them over to the matchman. And your pin! He dusted the pin on his napkin and handed it to the matchman. They began upon the afternoon tea, and the waiter stood beside them to see they had everything they needed. We're having them after all, said Mary Poppins in a loud whisper as she began on the heap of raspberry jam cakes. Golly! agreed the matchman, helping himself to two of the largest. <coughs> Tea? asked the waiter, filling a large cup for each of them from the urn. They drank it and had two cups more each. And then for luck, they finished the pile of raspberry jam. Cakes. 
After that, they got up and brushed, brushed the crumbs off. There is nothing to pay, said the waiter, before they had time to ask for the bill. It is a pleasure. You will find the merry-go-round just over there. And he waved his hand to a little gap in the trees where Mary Poppins and the matchman could see several wooden horses whirling around on a stand. That's funny, said she. I don't remember seeing that in the picture either. Ah, said the matchman, who hadn't remembered it himself. It was in the background, you see. The merry-go-round was just slowing down as they approached it. They leapt upon it, Mary Poppins on a black horse and the matchman on a grey. And when the music started again and they began to move, they rode all the way to Yarmouth and back, because that was the place they both wanted most to see. When they returned, it was nearly dark, and the waiter was watching for them. "'I'm very sorry, madam and mister,' he said politely, "'but we close at seven rules, you know. May I show you the way out?' They nodded as he flourished his table napkin and walked on in front of them through the wood. It's a wonderful picture you've drawn this time, Bert, said Mary Poppins, putting her hand through the matchman's arm and drawing her cloak about her. Well, I did my best, Mary, said the matchman modestly, but you could see he was really very pleased with himself indeed. Just then, the waiter stopped in front of them beside a large white doorway that looked as though it were made of thick chalk lines. Here you are, he said. This is the way out. Goodbye and thank you, said Mary Poppins, shaking his hand. Madam, goodbye, said the waiter, bowing so low that his head knocked against his knees. He nodded to the matchman, who cocked his head on one side and closed one eye at the waiter, which was his way of bidding him farewell. Then Mary Poppins stepped through the white doorway and the matchman followed her. As they went, the feather dropped from her hat and the silk cloak from her shoulders and the diamonds from her shoes. The bright clothes of the matchman faded and his straw hat turned into his old ragged cap again. Mary Poppins turned and looked at him and she knew at once what had happened. Standing on the pavement, she gazed at him for a long minute, and then her glance explored the wood behind him for the waiter. But the waiter was nowhere to be seen. There was nobody in the picture. Nothing moved there. Even the merry-go-round had disappeared. Only the still trees and the grass and the unmoving little patch of sea remained. But Mary Poppins and the matchman smiled at one another, they knew, you see, what lay behind the trees. When she came back from her day out, Jane and Michael came running to meet her. Where have you been? they asked her. In fairyland, said Mary Poppins. Did you see Cinderella? said Jane. Huh? Cinderella? Not me, said Mary Poppins contemptuously. Cinderella indeed. Robinson Crusoe. Pooh, said Mary Poppins rudely. Then how could you have been there? It couldn't have been our fairyland. Mary Poppins gave a superior sniff. 
Don't you know, she said pityingly, that everybody's got a fairyland of their own? And with another sniff, she went upstairs to take off her white gloves and put the umbrella away.